0: This is The Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.
1: Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. There are so many sports going on right now. I'm uh, going to try not to be distracted. DeAndre Hopkins is trending on Twitter for something that really has nothing to do with DeAndre Hopkins. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, We do, though, have to start with what I believe was a Cardinals game yesterday. Um, There was a game. There was a game going on around them. They haven't started yet. But Carolina started and finished well over 24 hours ago. So I I guess good for Carolina. Uh, That was... Certainly the most frustrating game of the season. Maybe the most frustrating game of the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray era up to this point, right? We're 20 games in. Last year, we didn't have the expectations that we have this year. And and I'll, I'll start by saying this. I know that... You know, people are looking around, and if you're a Cardinals fan and you have friends that aren't Cardinals fans, they're pointing at you and laughing today and saying, wow, you guys got way ahead of yourselves. And without, you're sitting there talking about Kyler Murray as a potential MVP candidate, and you're talking about this team as a, as a playoff team and as a division contender. You know what? You were right to think this team should be a playoff team after those first two games because it wasn't just, hey, we beat Washington and San Francisco. It looked like the next logical step after last season. But what was concerning about yesterday, and really, if you start to look deeper, you know, you can, you can catastrophize this and start to say maybe these are bigger. That's issues. a good word. Is that a real word? Yeah, th- catastrophize. I'm gonna have to look it up during the the break. I think it is, though. I learned it in school at Arizona State University. Oh well, then for no, sure it's but, a word. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a word. <laughs> that higher. I really place hope it's a word now. Yeah, otherwise my diploma just went down in value. Um, you know, we can sit here and we can, you can even look deeper now in some of these things and wonder because. Part of the reason that you were encouraged after the first two games to the point where you could say, okay, yeah, I think this could be a playoff team, is because you figured the offense was going to be explosive, and part of an offense being explosive is throwing the ball down the field. They are not doing that, and I was going to start the show this way anyway, but I heard Burns and Gambo talking about it to end their show. The Cardinals looked scared yesterday, and I don't know about you, but... I thought this Cardinals offense was supposed to... They were supposed to scare the other team. Like, the fear factor is supposed to be on the Cardinals side when they have the football. You've got Kyler Murray. You've got Cliff Kingsbury, who is supposed to be this amazing offensive mind, and, you know, both of them, you still look at each of them, and you still do, even after yesterday, and you say, we don't even know what their ceiling is together. So, when the Cardinals have the football, if anybody's going to be scared, it should be the opposing defense Not the Cardinals. And yet that's the way they looked yesterday. I get that Kyler sailed that first that pass on the first drive to Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, I think it was to Larry Fitzgerald. He was the closest guy in in the uh, stadium. And I understand Christian Kirk had to make a nice play uh, on the same drive to break up what would have been an interception. And I get that Kyler threw three interceptions the game before. But you gotta know how you're built. And the Cardinals are built to win with offense. And You know, a defense that is supposed to be able to get off the field on third downs, which they couldn't yesterday. But, uh, you know, the defense, the Cardinals defense is not there to win them games. The Cardinals defense is there to play well enough to put them in position where the offense can win the games. The offense cannot win games if they're afraid to take shots down the field. I'm not going to sit here and say that's the only reason they lost yesterday. But uh, yesterday was just so discouraging because... A lot of times you'll look at Kingsbury and you'll say, you know, if if it feels like he's getting outcoached, and there were times yesterday where it did, I mean, there were times where the Cardinals had to make a late substitution, and so then Carolina, knowing the rules full well, would have the opportunity to make their even later substitution, and their guy would essentially just walk off the field to kill more play clock. That happened at least twice. So there's a lot of times you look and you say, okay, well, you know, Kingsbury's getting outcoached today because... You know this is only his second year, it's only his 20th game. That was Matt Rule's fourth NFL game. And he was out coaching Kingsbury yesterday. Now, I'm not going to sit here and go into full panic mode and be like, oh, you got to tear it down. This is not working. They're two and two after four games. Big picture, two and two after four games with a second year coach and a second year quarterback is not it's not that bad. But the problems that you have specific to the Cardinals, are you're in a division that's going to leave you behind if you're not going to be able to beat teams like Detroit and Carolina. I've maintained this whole time, even after they beat San Francisco, that it's not fair to expect them to start the season 5-0. and And they don't even need to go 4-1 and in these first five games, which is good because they can't now, but that they need to go 3-2. and I've maintained this whole time that it's, it's, just, it's too hard unless you are a truly elite team and the Cardinals are obviously not that. And even if they become that, they're not that right now because they, they have such inexperience at such important positions. But you've got to be able to come out of it with a winning record in these first five games, and that is still in play. But the problem is the way it looked yesterday. Week one, you beat San Francisco in San Francisco, and I know now retroactively people are trying to take away from that and say, well, look how beat up San Francisco was in week three. Yeah, I don't care. The Cardinals didn't play them in week three. They played them in week one. They were not this beat up. That's a good win for the Cardinals. And the win over Washington, I mean, look, it's Washington, but whatever, it's still a win. The loss to Detroit, you could explain away, I thought, fairly easily by saying Detroit has a good quarterback in Matthew Stafford. It was a close game. It came down to the final play, essentially. They had the ball last. Okay, sometimes you're you're just going to lose these games. Yesterday, the Cardinals just looked horrible. And if the excuse, if, if the legitimate... I mean, I haven't heard the team use this as an excuse, but if if the actual reason is honestly that it was a 10 o'clock start, well, then we got problems because they start at 10 o'clock again next week. Fortunately, they play the Jets, but still, they have an early start next week, and they have two more after that. So I don't think it was that. It better not be that because if it is the case, if they ever play like that again, they are going to lose. They will lose to the Jets playing like that. I don't think they're going to play like that next week, but if they did... They would lose to most teams. So if it's the early start, well, then that means three more losses that we can just chalk up. I don't think that's the case. I think they'll beat the Jets. Honestly, if you just stand on the field and don't make mistakes, the Jets will beat themselves. But uh, that was whatever the opposite of encouraging was yesterday. I guess discouraging.
0: (laughs) It was extremely discouraging. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, well, outside the
1: Cardinals game, there's still news that loosely pertains to the Cardinals. The Houston Texans lost yesterday to Minnesota. They go 0-4. They are apparently trying to run their offense through David Johnson. That doesn't work. They traded, of course, DeAndre Hopkins away for David Johnson and his salary and a second-round pick. But come on, you, you want DeAndre Hopkins over any of that. And as a result, Bill O'Brien is out, fired by the Texans just a few hours ago. So, Romeo Cornell is now the interim head coach of the Houston Texans. I almost said you're Houston Texans, but I'm pretty sure they're not your Houston no, no. Texans. No, 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 no. <laughs> even, even if you are a Houston Texans fan, I don't think you claim them at the moment. So, Bill O'Brien is the first head coach fired. They always have that prop bet at the start of the year who's going to be the first head coach fired. Didn't think it was going to be him. No, I definitely would have gone Adam GaSe. Yeah,
2: especially they just gave him and kind of stood behind him with having the GM duties and power. Yeah, and then after a four and zero
1: start, he's done. You look at his his track record though, and it's just it, it's got to be more than the four losses. The first three were to Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. But well, we got two Monday Night Football games on, and they both scored at the same time. I, I just, this is very distracting. Um, no, you, you have those three losses in the first three weeks. It's like okay, if you're gonna go essentially all in on right now like Bill O'Brien the GM did, then you need to win one of those games at least, but then to go out there and and just get hammered by a winless Minnesota team that has you know in theory as many problems as you do. and now Houston's 0 four and you couple that with the trade of of DeAndre Hopkins and just you know some of the other questionable moves Bill O'Brien has made and uh, it's it's not a shock that he got fired. I just at the start of the season, I definitely would have said Adam Gase. And Adam Gase has done everything to, to keep that narrative going. But uh... Whoever comes in to run the Houston Texans yeah. doesn't have a first-round pick next year because no. they traded it away. Yeah, and you don't have DeAndre Hopkins because he traded him away. And But Brandon Cooks yesterday had a whopping zero catches, and that's supposed to be your, your new main weapon on offense. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs going on right now. The Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays from San Diego. That's just another sign that it's 2020. The uh, ALDS, this half of it being played in San Diego, the other half being played at Dodger Stadium. That happened earlier today. The Houston Astros rallying for a win over the Oakland A's 10-5 in Game 1 of that series. Right now, the Rays trailing the Yankees 2-1, to they are top of the fourth inning in that one. Runner on first for New York, and the NBA Finals. They have tonight off. They'll be back at it tomorrow, Game Four. We at least have a series. I don't think we're going to have a series that lasts more than two additional games. But credit Jimmy Butler for dragging a beat-up Miami squad back last night. It kind of got lost in the shuffle with, uh, you know, with the NFL slate yesterday and the well maybe not because that Sunday night game was pretty horrible but uh Jimmy Butler just basically dragging the heat to a win 40 points 11 rebounds 13 assists I mean he's he's been one of the most impressive players in the bubble he's on if you're counting the top five he's got to be right there like Damian Lillard and Devin Booker before the actual playoffs got started were right there LeBron obviously Jimmy Butler I mean there have been some other ones but Butler is not the only reason Miami is here, but he is one of the main reasons for sure. He's the main reason, and he reminded everybody of it again last night. We'll see if they can make that a series. I know a lot of I know a lot of NBA insiders felt like this was going to be a long series. and I get that Miami has had some injuries, but uh, I just I don't know, as I've said all along, I, just, I don't see LeBron getting this close in a season where he finally got some rest uh, after an offseason where he finally got some rest, uh, you know, after last year. This is the most well rested he has been in his NBA, or I would even say probably high school career, and he's this close to a, a title. He's he's going to win it, but um, Miami makes it at least a, a respectable series, and we'll see. You know, if they win tomorrow, I'm still, still pick the Lakers. Miami could go up three two. I'd still be picking the Lakers at this point, but um, you know, maybe they make it interesting tomorrow. It'd be nice to have a compelling NBA Finals. All right, when we come back. Is the schedule turning on the Cardinals? It was in their favor going into the last couple games, but now if you start to look ahead, it gets scary for for a lot of reasons real quick. That is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
0: It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Khalil Harry a nice touchdown in the first Monday night game tonight. Brandon Ayuk a ridiculous touchdown yesterday for the 49ers. ASU football being represented well at the wide receiver position in the NFL. That's the upside for football this weekend. But we got to get back into whatever the Cardinals did yesterday and. We know this. Look, if you live in Arizona, if you've lived here for any any length of time, and especially if you've been a sports fan here your whole life, I'm I'm specifically speaking to you right now. It is difficult at times for teams in the Valley to command national respect. It's just it's the reality of the situation, and and sometimes the teams in the Valley don't deserve the national respect. I get that, but. You know, if a team in New York starts two and zero, everybody's talking about how they're going to go to the Super Bowl. The Cardinals start two and zero, and there was still skepticism. And the unfortunate reality now is that they have they have let down people nationally that maybe were looking at the Cardinals with a little curiosity and saying, "Hey, Kyler Murray is exciting, and this team's two and zero. All right, I'm interested." And they have absolutely reinforced what people like Keyshawn Johnson were saying. And I will give Keyshawn credit after two and zero. He said, no, I'm not buying into the Cardinals just yet, to the point where him and Gambo have a bet with money going to charity. What was the over-under? I believe Keyshawn has seven wins or less for the Cardinals. Gambo has eight wins or more. I think that's right. Uh, Poor Burnsy got dragged into that, too. He Poor guy. I'll tell you what, though. I, I mean, if if I was on the show with Gambo, I would have jumped in, too. They were 2-0. and, oh, and I, <sighs> There wasn't a lot to dislike from what they were doing. No, and I want to say I still think they're going to win at least seven, but... Man, yesterday, I, I, I was not nearly as rattled after the loss to Detroit as I am yesterday, and we'll get into some of the reasons. But this was, uh, this was Keyshawn calling the Cardinals a fraud.
0: They ran up on the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers without Christian McCaffrey, and now they look like the damn Cardinals a bunch of frauds, just like I told y'all. Jay Will uh, argued me down uh, for weeks on top of weeks how great the Cardinals are. I'm like, man, stop. They be- played a beat-up San Francisco 49er team. In a Washington team that was hyped about beating the Philadelphia Eagles. Now they're getting ready to get into the meat of the schedule. They got the New York Jets, the Dallas Cowboys. What a meat of a schedule that is, right? <laughs> and they could ah! come out of this one on the losing end as well.
1: Yeah, a couple things there I disagree with. He was right that they – I don't think they're – I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I, I'm not going to go so far as to call them frauds. I mean, they can lose a couple games. The, he's, he's right – that we were crowning them or anointing them too early, but his logic that they beat a beat up San Francisco team is just isn't true. That's San what Francisco I was going to say. Team. The
2: only, I mean, they were mis- missing Debo Samuel still, yeah. but they still had Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert and George Kittle and, and basically all yeah and all their defensive guys that went down. So, and he said that even. Back when they were two and zero, that they, the Niners were beat up. I'm like, did, you obviously didn't watch that game yeah. or pay attention. Yeah, they're beat up now, but they weren't when the Cardinals played them.
1: But you said it right there, and that was, I think, a lot of our reactions when Keyshawn said that after the second win, the win over Washington. It was like, okay, this guy, this guy obviously didn't watch. Well, now he's watching, and they go out there and play how whatever that was yesterday against Carolina. And, and look, you were here yesterday, or last night when we did the postgame show, Cody, so this is going to be a repeat for you on, in some senses. But I did the postgame show last night, and I think it's important to distinguish between Detroit and Carolina and Washington and New York. Like, you come out of the win over San Francisco and everybody's saying, oh, okay, four in a row coming up here. You got Washington, Detroit, Carolina, and, and the Jets. That's four bad teams. At the time, Washington was 1-0, but all the other teams had, and, and as you played them, they didn't have any wins yet. Uh, until, I guess, Carolina. But, you know, when you're going into that Detroit game, Detroit was 0 2, Carolina 0 2, the Jets 0 2. There's a difference between the Jets, who the Cardinals are going to see in six days, and Carolina and Detroit these past two weeks. Carolina and Detroit are fine. They're not good, uh, I don't think. Carolina looked a lot better than Detroit. They are the sort of teams where if you show up and play poorly, you're probably going to lose. If you play well, you're probably going to win. Whereas the Jets, I mean, you could play poorly and still win that game. You can't play as poorly as you did yesterday. But, um, you know, there's, there's no excuse, though. But Carolina didn't even have Christian McCaffrey. I found myself wondering during that game and then quickly just blocking it out. What would that game have looked like if they did have Christian McCaffrey? Worse. <laughs> <laughs> that, much worse. <laughs> that, was, that was the conclusion I came to as well. And honestly, how would these postgame press conferences look if B.A. was still the coach? Oh boy! Like Cliff is still in the let's be polite mode as a head coach. Ba, I don't know. If ba was ever in that mode. Um, ba the, has we, no problem calling anybody out. Called you know, Tom out Brady. Tom Brady after one game, greatest quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> um, the schedule now—you've still got the Jets coming up, and you heard Keyshawn mention it at the end. Like, oh, now they're getting into the, the meat of their schedule, and they looked at the schedule and was like, oh, it's the Jets and the Cowboys. What a what a meat of the schedule that is. If you don't beat the Jets. I don't even know what the show is going to sound like. Just me sobbing for two hours next Monday. Dallas, Dallas can score. And that, you know, that goes back to the fact that as bad as Dallas's defense is, the Cardinals are going to need to score points to win these games. So I don't know about that one. And then, you know, the Seattle game was going to be tough. Anyway, the Cardinals are going to play them on six days rest and Seattle actually is a bye week going into that game. So, Seattle's going to be on 14 days rest and the Cardinals are going to be on six. That's going to be tough. That one's going to be a real tough one. And that's fine. There are games on the schedule where it's like, yeah, you want to win that one. If you're challenging for the division, you got to beat Seattle. But in the back of your mind, you know, short week when Seattle's coming off a bye week, that that's probably going to be a loss. That's a major uphill climb. But the reason it's okay is because you take care of business against Detroit and Carolina. And they haven't done that. And then you start to look deeper in the schedule. They've got Seattle again on the road. They've got Buffalo. They've got New England, who right now is hanging with the Chiefs without their starting quarterback. Miami looks tough, too. Miami does look tough. I mean, no, yeah, Miami to me is right there with Carolina and Detroit, right? like They're going to they're gonna play you close, and if you mess up, you're going to lose. You've got the Rams twice, who always play the Cardinals tough. Not not even just tough. I mean the Rams they usually be... beat the crap out of them yeah. usually. So bad
2: things usually happen when the Cardinals play the Rams. Like both times they Carson Palmer had to face the Rams, he got hurt. Yeah. The London game where Carson also Ugh, got hurt.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Even last year, I mean they 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 gave up 34 and lost the first one. They lost both, but the second one was at least closer. I I mean you look at the rest of the schedule when you get past this Jets game, who do you look at and say okay, yeah, that's definitely a win? The Giants? In New York, in December, that's about it. I'm not saying they can't win some of these other games. But there was a reason everybody was saying, okay, you got to jump out to this fast start. Even before they were 2-0, and we were all looking at the schedule and saying, you got to jump out to a fast start. Because good luck with San Francisco, the Rams twice, the Patriots, the Seahawks twice, Miami, Buffalo, even Philadelphia. I mean, the Eagles might have three wins by then. It's a tough tough second half of the schedule, and that means a lot more to say that now, when we've seen a quarter of the season and have some idea of what these teams are about, than it does three months before the season, and you don't even really know. You're just kind of going on past history with some of these clubs. This is going to get tougher for the Cardinals. They need to get tougher, too. You can always tweet into the show at rundown nine eight seven. You can tweet me at Luke Lipinski. You can tweet Bear Behind the Glass at Bear987. Is that right? Okay. I follow you. I'm just not currently looking at your. It's it's like nobody knows anybody's phone numbers anymore. Oh yeah. I don't even. Okay.
2: This is embarrassing. I don't know my own wife's phone number. <laughs> if someone just said, "Quick, we have to call your wife. You've been in a car accident. What is it? I don't know. Your phone's
1: been destroyed. I don't know." That's, that's not, You may want to learn your wife's phone number. This probably might be a good idea. I mean, not right now, obviously, because we got all these sports going on and we're doing the show, and it looks like Kansas City just scored again. Tyron but Matthew. At some, oh, it is Tyron Matthew. Yep. The Honey Badger getting in the end zone. Did Pat Mahomes throw him a pass, too? <laughs> no, it looks like Jarrett Stidham may have thrown him a pass. And Bill Belichick looks like he needs a sandwich. Um, one of the elements of yesterday's game that was very concerning and very frustrating Was the Cardinals' defense's inability to get off the field? Now, to be fair to the defense, A, they were playing without either of their starting safeties. One of them, of course, is Buda Baker, who's really a leader, if not the leader on that defense. But even more than that, because I know that sounds like an excuse, they were really good at getting off the field on third down the first three games of the season. So in that one area, I am willing to give the Cardinals' defense a little bit of a pass. But they don't look right. And I don't know how Isaiah Simmons is going to develop if they don't use him. But at the same time, I mean, the scoring drives Carolina had yesterday, their touchdown drives, 13 plays, 66 yards, 9 plays, 80 yards, 10 plays, 75 yards, 8 plays, 74 yards. And then the field goal that sort of put it out of reach ate up eight and a half minutes in the fourth quarter, 15 plays, 73 yards. You're not going to win a lot of games like that unless your offense is just, it's the Chiefs' offense. So, like I said, I'm willing to give the defense in that one area a little bit of a pass because it only happened yesterday. I don't blame the defense for that loss against Detroit other than the fact that they couldn't couldn't do anything in the secondary when Detroit had the ball at the end of the first half or uh, at the end of the game I'm not saying the defense is absolved of all blame but if we're sitting here trying to figure out what worries us the most right now I mean they were terrible defensively yesterday but I like to think maybe they can turn that around a little bit but I mean that fourth quarter drive the Cardinals had finally maybe somehow found a little bit of a spark to wake up. They were still down 28-14 at that point. But that's, that's coming off the Kyler Murray 48-yard run that sets up a, a touchdown. And then you let Carolina just hold on to the ball for eight and a half minutes and, and basically move at will. And, and again, it's not Christian McCaffrey. It's Mike Davis and Reggie Bonifont. Go look at the waiver wire in your fantasy football league. Nobody has Reggie Bonifont. And every running back in the NFL is hurt right now. And still nobody has him. Pretty much everyone that scored a touchdown in that
2: Cardinals-Panthers game, nobody's heard of, (laughs) besides Christian Kirk. Yeah, besides Christian Kirk. When they said Thomas, a tight end Thomas scored a touchdown for the Cardinals, I'm like, did we bring back Logan Thomas and no one noticed? Well, and then uh, Ian Thomas scored.
1: You're like, wait, did Carolina bring back Logan Thomas? (laughs) There's too many tight ends named Thomas. Yeah. So uh, the defense yesterday was just the sustained drives, and it's just such an excruciating way to lose a football game. You go in thinking, okay, we should be better than this team. You don't ever really get going, and that's on the Cardinals to start the game. You need to show up to these games ready to go from opening kickoff. Kyler Murray said, look, I know we, look, we just look sluggish. They didn't really have an, an explanation for it. But as that game goes on, and this is why I'm saying Carolina's not a bad team, Carolina just sucked the life out of the game. The one time the Cardinals maybe had a spark there, you get to 28-14, you're thinking, okay, this offense should be explosive, although it really hasn't been yet. Carolina goes out there and eats up eight and a half minutes, and that's it. Cardinals get a late touchdown from Chase Edmonds to make the score 31-21, and it wasn't even that close. It really wasn't. I mean, did you ever feel like the Cardinals were in that game yesterday? That's just, it's so confusing because there is so much talent on this team. All right, when we come back, we're going to go big picture with the Cardinals. Who are you most worried about, and who do you have the most confidence in between the quarterback and the coach, not just for week five against the Jets, but for the next year, two, three years? That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
0: It's the Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to the show, Luke Lipinski here with you. Cardinals two and two now this season. We're a quarter of the way through the season. I maintain, if I had told you at the start of the season, as a hardcore Cardinals fan, that they would be two and two, you would you would have been okay with it. You wouldn't have been excited. Two and two is not anything you get excited about. Although, what they would won seven games total over the last two years, so you know it's five not the uh, the worst thing in the world. But it's how they've gotten here. And some of it is the inconsistency that comes with growing pains of having a very young head coach and a very young quarterback. But a lot of what happened yesterday was just bad football. And there's a lot of different ways to, to look. I mean, are you, are you concerned about the lack of a running game? Is that Kenyon Drake's fault? Did everybody kind of go too crazy after he had three really good games? I mean, three really good games for the Cardinals in the second half of last season. But then he had a lot of average games and even below average games. He just You're comparing him to David Johnson last season, so you're like, whatever. He's better than David Johnson, and he is. But he hasn't really done much this year, and he did nothing yesterday. Kyler Murray is not throwing the ball down the field. I heard, I think it was Vince that said it. They were doing their crossover segment with Burns and Gambo at the end of Bickley and Murata today. I want to say it was Vince who said, you know, honestly, Kyler, the, the thrower, looked better last year, which is, <laughs> that's, that's concerning. You don't want your quarterback taking a step back. I'm not, I'm not saying Kyler has taken a step back, but he's not really taking a step forward in the passing game. He's been much more of a threat to run the ball this year. Took some big hits yesterday. That's not really something as a team you want him doing. Didn't take a big hit on the on the big run, though. The offense, and this really... This was such stark contrast between Carolina's offense yesterday and the Cardinals' offense, and I think it really drove this point home. Carolina's out there with D- Teddy Bridgewater, who has been very good this season. Not the flashiest guy in the world. He's got a receiving core of Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. He's got Mike Davis in the backfield. That's, you know, that's... A, NFL caliber players. Mike Davis has been in the league now for, what, six years? But nothing that should scare a defense. And they just move the ball right up and down the field. And it was simple plays. Hand off to Mike Davis. He just runs up the middle. Runs off right tackle. Snap the ball to Teddy Bridgewater. Quick slant pass to Robbie Anderson. Find DJ Moore crossing over in front of Patrick Peterson. Like, it was just just football. It was just a very simple football game that Carolina played. And then you watch the other side and you watch the Cardinals on offense and you're waiting for screens to develop and you got guys running all over the field and and all this work, it it looked like you're doing the the sort of work that should get you 25 yards and it's for three yards. And you just wonder, are they getting too complicated on offense? Is this just the inexperience that Cliff Kingsbury has and he's going to adjust? Which I do think he will. Cliff has shown the ability and willingness to adjust through his first 20 games, but Man, yesterday was tough, and the offense has not, really, the offense has not done that much. They've scored 30 points in a game three times since Kingsbury and Kyler Murray took over. I believe, i got to double-check this, Cleveland has scored 30 points in a game three straight games. The Cleveland Browns. But it's true. I mean, you go back to last season, what they had, uh, 34 and a 34-33 win over Atlanta in Week 6. They scored 38 against the Browns, (laughs) look at that, in Week 15 in a win. But again, there's a lot less uh, pressure at that point. Those games didn't mean much. And then, um, you know, earlier this season, he put up 30 against Washington. 30. There's this perception, and I'll be honest, I've had it too coming into the season at least, that not that the Cardinals are going to be the Chiefs offense. Nobody's the Chiefs. But why can't the Cardinals offense be well on its way to being what Dallas has on offense or something like that? Or Green Bay? Not there yet. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. I understand that. But, I mean, three games out of 20 now where they've broken the 30-point barrier, that's not anything. That's... Again, this team is built around its offense. And yes, Cleveland and they're, they're, the Cleveland Browns in their last three games have 49, 34, and 35 points. That is a dysfunctional team that I will grant you is now 3-1, and one, but come on. If you're the Cardinals, you're built to win games with your offense being better than most of the league's offense and you're not doing anything. So I would ask you, is your concern, or maybe the better way to put it, is who do you have more confidence in going forward? For me, as much as I think Cliff is going to Adjust and adapt, and I still believe in him. This is not something that changes after a loss to Carolina. Now if they lose to the Jets, (laughs) we may have a different conversation. I still believe in Cliff, but big picture, I'm a lot more confident that Kyler Murray is built to have success in this league. Cliff's still got to prove it. I mean, Kyler's still got to prove it too. But, you know, if you're if you're telling me, hey, you know, three years from now the Cardinals are they're gonna make a deep playoff run. I can absolutely, with a ton of confidence, envision Kyler Murray leading that deep playoff run. He's got some stuff to work on, but if you're telling me it's a couple years from now, Cliff, I can envision it too, but there's stuff I need to see change. So, it's not the conversations we were having nine days ago. And I don't think Cardinals fans, by and large, I don't think you guys had this ridiculous Delusional view of this team going 13 and 3 this summer, this uh, this season. I think it was just, you know, you're 2 and 0, you expect, you, you at least expect A level effort in these winnable games. And they got it in some areas against Detroit. And yesterday we were looking for the player of the game and we ended up giving it to Kyler Murray because you're looking for a Cardinal. But it's like even Kyler didn't play that well. He had a great quarterback rating, but he threw for 133 yards. He had that nice 48 yard run and he, you know, he, he was much better yesterday than he was against Detroit but he had a turnover he had a fumble I don't know I just if nothing else I thought if the Cardinals were going to be losing games this season I thought they'd be losing 38-35 not hey you have 14 points with a couple minutes left in the game against Carolina who's you know beat up All right, let's get you a Monday night football update. We've got two games. First of all, I got, to be honest, I am a little shocked they're even playing this Chiefs-Patriots game. This just proves I'm not a scientist. Because you figure when Cam Newton comes down with the virus on Saturday and he's in the huddle consistently in practice and games, I don't know, I didn't think they were going to be able to play this game. They haven't. The Titans-Steelers game got push back to week seven this
2: virus is so weird like whenever we think it's gonna do whenever we think we have it figured out it just does something else we're like all right cool and apparently i saw cam newton's been asymptomatic so he might even be back next week
1: yeah i mean and that part None of it makes any sense, but that part at least makes a little more sense, but I I mean, you, you have the Titans, just more and more positive tests every day. I don't believe they had any today for the first time, but that's good because I need Derek Henry <laughs> next week, please. Thank you. You know, I heard an interesting point. Somebody brought up, and I don't remember who it was, but they were like, why didn't the NFL just have week nine as a bye week in the middle of the season? And so a game like... Titans-Steelers, you just move it to Week 9. Like, they, I will give them credit. They massaged the schedule enough to move, I think it was Titans-Ravens around, and so they they could play that game. But it's like, if these were the only two games where it was ever going to be an issue, then I guess that's fine. You but just if, call we, it your COVID safety net yeah, week. Just have that in the middle of the season. And look, worst case, best case, if you don't need to use it, well, then everybody just has the same bye week, and we all just take a break and, and you know, whatever. You're going to have bye weeks anyway. Everybody's just... Green Bay and Detroit have a bye week uh, next week already. Tennessee and Pittsburgh already had theirs this week, unfortunately.
2: They probably don't want to do that because if everything went well, yeah. you would have no football for a whole week, well, yeah. and they don't want that to happen.
1: There's uh, there's some risk there then. Aaron Judge just hit a home run. It is 4-3 Yankees going back and forth in that one. That was off Blake Snell. Uh, Green Bay in the other Monday night game. They lead Atlanta 7-0. That is an Aaron Rodgers touchdown pass to Aaron Jones while oh, they're showing Dirk Cutter on TV. Oh, Atlanta. 0-3, oh, and, and with Dirk Cutter as your offensive coordinator. But If uh, Dan Quinn gets fired, he might be the interim head coach. Yeah. He's the, I, he has he
2: has experience. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> interim. Emphasis on interim. Uh, the Chiefs, by the way, lead the Patriots 26-10. They are at the two-minute warning. Uh, Brian Hoyer started this game. Jarrett Stidham came in, threw a touchdown to Nikhil Harry. Very nice touchdown. Like I said, Nikhil Harry has a nice touchdown tonight. Brandon Ayuk had a ridiculous touchdown last night where he leapt over a Philadelphia defender to get into the end zone at the end of the run. But um, Stidham has also thrown two interceptions, one of them a touchdown to Tyron Matthew the other way, and the Chiefs, after the score was 6-3 at halftime, it's now 26-10, Kansas City has the lead there. I don't know if Jarrett Stidham has completed a pass to his own team since that
2: touchdown pass. And that yeah. was his first pass of the game. <laughs> Remember when he was supposed to be the future for
1: the Patriots? Yeah. Uh, real, that was fun. Yeah, but, real quick, um, did you see Malik Jackson in the game last night? Yes. Uh, <laughs> he just leans over.
2: He our kind of kicks the ball like a foot. Our colleague over at KTAR News, Joseph Heizenga, yeah, showed me that <laughs> clip. He just he just moved it with his foot. Hilarious.
1: And I don't think they ever moved it back. Like The ref turns and he's just like, all right, we'll just move. It right near the goal line. He just pushes it. And it's like... Heisenberg had an interesting point, and we'll probably talk about this on on a future show because you know we got the Astros winning and everybody hates it. They won today, and, and everybody has labeled the Astros cheaters because they're cheaters. But yeah, because they 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 cheated, and and that was a systematic team cheating and winning and being rewarded for it winning a, a World Series and really having no repercussions. But when I see a play like Malik Jackson pulled off last night, I just laugh at it. So there's obviously a big difference because that's I guess technically cheating too. Yeah, do we have a line like? It's somewhere between Malik Jackson and the Houston Astros. If you cheat, but it's funny. Well, It's just funny. Yeah, and that's just, you know, that's one guy. It's a whole lot different than cheating for an entire two-year stretch and winning a World Series out of it, and the whole team is in on it. But <laughs> that was, that was, uh, was hilarious uh, for Philadelphia last night. And, yeah, like you said earlier, Cody, Philadelphia wins one game, and now they're in first place in the NFC East, which is one of the worst divisions, maybe the worst division I have ever seen. I'll tell you what, if you go by pure record, isn't uh the nfc west has been caught haven't they i think the nfc west right now is a combined 11 and 5 and the afc north is 10 4 and 1 so i guess it's it's about the same i'll, I'll still take the nfc west over the afc north but that division has gotten oddly interesting with the steelers 3 zero, the ravens 3 and 1 and cleveland 3 and 1 and cincinnati 1 2 and 1 like they don't They don't look nearly as terrible as they have in years past. Joe Burrow looks very good for that team. All right, we come back. The Pac-12, this kind of got lost in the shuffle because we haven't had a show since it happened. We're going to look at ASU's schedule and what to potentially expect from the Sun Devils. The season starts in a month for the Pac-12. That is next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: It's the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: All right, so we've got Pac-12 football on the schedule. ASU ASU opening in USC, November 7th. In case you somehow missed this, we just haven't really got to talk about it on the show. Six-game schedule, and then every Pac-12 team is going to play a seventh game. But because of the way everything is now condensed, I mean, college football has been going on for a couple weeks around a lot of the other schools in the country. So the Pac-12 is going to play those six games. You'll get a seventh game, but they want that seventh week open for whoever's going to play in the Pac-12 championship, and then they'll let the other ten teams uh, end up playing each other. Cody, I don't know if you saw the over-under projections on wins. Or the over-under, I guess you would have to bet one way or the other. ASU's four and a half. I would assume that accounts for the unknown seventh game. I would think. I I don't know. U of A's one. (laughs) U of A's over one
2: wins is one. Oh my goodness!
1: Are they that bad?
2: I mean, yeah. yeah, I guess. Man, Kevin Kevin Sumlin, by the way, today tested positive for COVID nineteen.
1: Yeah, and he's look. I, I know that he struggled towards the end of his time over uh, with uh, Texas A and M, but he had some success at Texas A and M. How are they at that point? As much as I like U of A losing, how is that team's over under on wins one? And
2: I feel like. You know, a lot of U of A fans thought he was going to be, you know, really good at recruiting. But it turns out Herm is the recruiting master. Yeah. And yeah. Antonio Pierce. There was a time after ASU fired Todd Graham. Yeah. And then Kevin Sumlin got let go. I wanted ASU to get Kevin
1: Sumlin. I, I definitely thought that he would be better than this. and And I'm sure it is tough to recruit now down there because your in-state rival has Herm. Who everybody knows is a is a great recruiter, and that even that if people, if you questioned him when ASU hired him, you, you figured he'd be a good recruiter. Yeah,
2: and like you said, Nikhil Harry and Brandon Ayuk are catching touchdown passes in the in the NFL right yeah. now. I mean, those are IUK Ayuk,
1: What <laughs> Ayuk's played two games. He has two touchdowns, doesn't he? He has a rushing touchdown. I know that. He's I think looked, he has two. I think you're right. Yeah, he has looked explosive and. I know. I always thought watching Nikhil at ASU like that is an NFL ready receiver. He's just he's built like an NFL player even when he was in college. But I know a lot of the a lot of the scouts actually think Ayuk is going to be the better NFL player uh, than Nikhil. But um, they both scored. Nikhil scored tonight for the Patriots, and Ayuk had a really. Ayuk has two touchdowns, and I guess in three games now. Technically, he's played. But um, so, what do you think? Over or under four and a half wins for ASU. So uh, USC to start the season is the toughest game. Um, and that's, that's great because you got Slovis and Daniels, the two now sophomore quarterbacks, going head-to-head. And it's an early morning game, which is, is they're not used to. It, it's going to be 9 a.m. I know, they, I know they practice early during the week, but... Sure hope they do better than the Cardinals do early in the morning. It's, it's 10 a.m. Arizona time, but it'll be 9 a.m. where they are because they'll be in California. Uh I still don't understand daylight savings except I understand it when it pertains to I football. hate it so much. I hate it so
2: much. <laughs> trying to as a producer trying to book guests with yeah. east uh an east coast guests it's like oh wait what what time zone are you in how yeah. far back are we It's, it's it, awful yeah. and useless.
1: Yeah, it also seems to be very useless too. That's a great point. Uh California sh- I mean I'm not going to take any of these games for granted, but California's winnable, Colorado's winnable, Utah's going to be tough, UCLA's winnable, and I guess Arizona, I mean, should be a win, although it's a rivalry game. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. I mean, the two games that you look at and say, oh, they might not be favored uh, are against USC and Utah. If you split those, that's over, even if it doesn't account for the, the seventh game that they're going to play. I, I ASU's got talent they they are missing a running back at this point with experience but they've got some pieces that are are stepping in that can potentially be good running backs on this team they're not going to be Eno Benjamin right away but you figure Jaden Daniels in year two the defense you don't have Danny Gonzalez calling the shots so there's going to be an adjustment period there and you hate for that adjustment period to start in Southern California against USC but they got pieces and Antonio Pierce is very familiar with most of those pieces so I'm uh, I'm optimistic for ASU this season. You know, even last season, my whole thing was I think ASU will be better in 2020. And half the season got taken away. It's too bad we're we're getting only six
2: guaranteed games. Yeah, with a young quarterback like Jaden Daniels. Look, I want. It almost feels like a waste of a year. You know, like this counts as a year of his
1: eligibility. But even if they didn't play, it was still going to be a waste of a year. Yeah. What's what's going to be tough, and I don't think they're going to do this. But if ASU went seven and zero, you're not getting in the playoff probably with seven wins. So that would be that would be the total Phoenix Suns way of yeah. going, go undefeated and <laughs> not get anything for it. Somehow Damian Lillard takes ASU out of the college football playoff. He um, would. I'm, I you know, as I've learned with the other football team in town, I'm not going to look too far ahead. But ASU is currently undefeated at zero and zero. This is uh, Jordan Hicks after the game yesterday when he was asked if he believes there's reason to
0: panic. We're 2-2, two two, first quarter of the season. I don't believe there's, there's any reason to panic. I believe there's reason to get back into the lab, to detail our work, to work on our execution. Um, but you know we have a, a whole season ahead of us. i've seen crazier things happen than than teams losing two in a row you know, and so that's my mindset um that's the that's the 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 mindset i'm going to share um that is it's detail it's it's execution it's 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 the basics we have to we have to go back out there and just play um play together play play detailed football.
1: sounded like he was doing that zoom call. shout out to that house. squeaky door. <laughs> I tell you what, when you've lost two in a row, everything goes wrong. The details start with WD-40-ing that door in the background for the Cardinals. Um, I mean, he's right, of course. I like the way he said it. I've seen crazier things than an NFL team losing two games in a row. It, It happens all the time. It's just, it's the way they looked yesterday. And honestly, man, Larry Fitzgerald has four yards in the last two games. I've seen enough from Larry Fitzgerald throughout his career to know that's not Larry Fitzgerald's fault that he only has four yards in the last two games. So again, either the offense is too complicated, the offense isn't on the field enough because it's not being effective, or you know, Kyler isn't finding his, I want to say most reliable receiver right now because DeAndre Hopkins is, is that guy. He might be the most reliable receiver in the NFL. But Larry Fitzgerald's very reliable. They need to figure out a way to get him more involved. I'm not saying they would win these games if they did, but if you're looking for signs that something might be wrong, Larry Fitzgerald having four yards over two games is a sign, yeah, you know what, there might be a problem here. And I know Cliff called the offense a work in progress, and that's fine. That's, this is For me, this is one of those things that we're going to look at in five weeks, and we're going to say, those losses to Detroit and Carolina, if they triggered... Improvement on offense, a simplified game plan, or you know, whatever, maybe a more creative but not complicated game plan on offense. Maybe be a little more daring on offense. Whatever. If they come out of this better, then you can look and say, you know what? Honestly, that, that was an acceptable growing pain. But if they just stay stagnant like this... <sighs> It, again, it's the Jets. I mean, even if they go out there and they beat the Jets, like you'll take the win. But if if they win the game like 20 to 14 or something and the offense still looks bad or just out of sync, I think people, I think Cardinals fans have a right to have expectations right now and a right to be pretty concerned because they just, this offense just does not look right. I don't think Keyshawn is right that this team is a fraud. And like I said, I don't think he's right In his reasoning to get to the fact or the uh, the idea that this is a seven win team or less, but they don't even look like a seven win team when they play the way they did yesterday. So even if he's wrong in his reasoning, it doesn't really matter if he's right. Ultimately, it's still going to cost Gambo five hundred dollars. Uh, one quote here quickly from Cliff Kingsbury. Is it frustrating that Fitz is not getting involved?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, he, I said it before. He's a guy who gives us energy
1: um, when he's making plays and getting the ball in his hands, and we all know that. And, and uh
0: I have to continue to, to script that way and, and find ways to, to get the ball in his hands. We had a shot early and we um, were able to connect. And, and then, um, for whatever reason, how the game went, didn't, uh, didn't get back that way. But he's a tremendous player, one of the best to ever play the game. And, and um, we all know we have to do a better job getting him the football. Yeah,
1: it's not, it's not one of those, this is not Odell Beckham complaining he's not getting enough passes with the Giants. Fitz isn't complaining. And if the team was 4 and 0 maybe we wouldn't all be pointing to this but when the offense is not moving the ball very much and a guy that you know can still play has 3 catches for 4 yards total in the last 2 weeks and you've lost those 2 games like I said it's a sign that something's wrong and we're not just looking at a team where it's like okay they lost a couple games you know it's growing pains work in progress all those all those phrases that you can use they there's some truth to that to pretty much all of those. This is still, like I said, a a young team at at important positions like quarterback and head coach. But when you look a little bit deeper and you see, okay, yeah, this guy that, you know, (laughs) been able to get him the ball for years, and now we can't get him the ball? That's kind of a sign maybe something's not right. DeAndre Hopkins is outstanding. He's the only guy on offense right now that's doing anything other than Kyler Murray. The running game is not even there. It's The running game is just... I, I. uh, they're going to have to get that fixed too, honestly. That's um what they did yesterday on the ground, and I know some of that is game flow and the fact that they were behind early and all that stuff. But, I mean, I know you didn't invest a ton in Kenyon Drake in terms of time, big picture, but he's better than this. And either he's either something's up with him or something's up with the play calling because he's got to be able to get you more than 2.7 yards per carry too. And he's ultimately just total... He's got to be able to get you more than 35 yards. Kyler Murray cannot be your leading rusher and be expected to grow as a passer at the same time. That's just that's a, that's a lot to ask, especially when his defense isn't even allowing him to get on the field because the defense won't get off the field. All right, hour number two of the show coming up with the Rundown Reload next. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Arizona's sports station, The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Now we're
1: number two of the show live from the Auction Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Right now it is The Reload. We're going to run through five of the top sports stories of the day. And of course... First one on the agenda here is the fact that the Arizona Cardinals, after starting two and zero, are two and two, and you can make a pretty strong case they have looked worse each week, which isn't real encouraging. Uh, and, And that's a blanket statement. You know, it's it's not every individual on the team. But as a team, they surprised a lot of people by going into San Francisco and beating a 49ers team that was not nearly as beat up as it is now. I'm, I'm, I am I'm will stand here and defend that Cardinals win and not let people take anything away from that win. And then they go out there and beat Washington. It's tough to real really gauge how good you are when you beat Washington. Week three, you lose to Detroit. You don't look good. You don't look bad other than Kyler throwing three interceptions. I mean, that one... We all agreed. Kyler agreed. That was on Kyler. That's fine. Second year quarterback. Playing a decent, potentially, team. Although now Detroit's 1-3. They did exactly what we said they would do last week. You give that team a win and they go out and just waste it. But yesterday, and that's the sort of game that is not going to beat many teams in the NFL. It might beat your opponent that's coming up, the New York Jets. It is a gift from the NFL schedule makers that that game is coming right now because the Cardinals need a game against the Jets who are clearly the worst team in the NFL and I don't want to hear about how the Giants are just as bad the Giants are in their games they're fighting they're just they're just not good you can be not good and still be better than the Jets so it is the perfect team for the Cardinals to play this week but I will say this if you somehow go out there and botch that I don't know what that... that that's, that's the sort of game that could be demoralizing and could maybe cost a defensive coordinator or at least put him on the hot seat. I don't think they would fire anybody after this week, and I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think they'll just beat the Jets, but... You got to win this one because it starts to get a lot tougher after this uh, on paper and, you know what, in real life on the field. Teams like Dallas, Seattle, B- Buffalo, New England, the Rams... San Francisco a second time. Those teams are all a lot harder to beat than the New York Jets. I don't care where the game is or what time it's being played. Uh, other NFL news today. Bill O'Brien is out as head coach and GM and lines crew member. I don't know. He was everything in Houston for some reason. The guy that gave away DeAndre Hopkins and really still defended that trade throughout the rest of the offseason. That was the crazy part. You want to talk about being stubborn. You make a trade that is unanimously shot down by everybody around the sport. The sort of trade that, honestly, if you were in a fantasy football league and somebody else in your league made that trade with somebody else in your league, you would veto that trade. That went through. I mean, that that trade was getting reaction from NBA players on Twitter. So, makes that trade, and you have to know, even if you're as stubborn as Bill O'Brien, sure seems like he is, you have to know you make a trade like that. You better start the upcoming season strong. And instead... They lose to Kansas City. All right. They lose to Baltimore. Okay. They lose to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. Real real tough schedule to start the year. Lose to Minnesota. Minnesota was 0-3. That's it. I don't know how the Texans come back from 0-4. I don't know how any team comes back from 0-4, even now that there's 14 playoff teams. They're done. And so at that point, they must on some level believe that as well because you don't typically fire a coach in the NFL midseason – and expect to turn around that season just cuz so much changes scheme wise and, and you know, just everything you know i'm sure they'll try and run a, a very similar offense but this is not the nba or the nhl where you can change a coach midseason and it sort of sparks your team the nfl that changes how you prepare and everything and they were they seen enough of bill o'brien and honestly you can't say i blame him do you they also need a gm now because he was also the gm
2: yeah that's really what he should have been fired from, and, was, was GM. And whoever takes that job as general manager or whatever they're going to call it will not have a first-round pick in 2021.
0: Yeah.
1: Good luck uh, cleaning up this mess. And, by the way, you
0: have but no But you will tools. have
2: David Johnson and Laramie Tunsell, oh. who still can't protect
1: Deshaun Watson. We were talking about this before the, uh, the show in the newsroom. It's the last time you saw a team with a legitimately borderline great. I would say Deshaun Watson is borderline great. You know, maybe not historically, but just right now in in the moment. To have a quarterback that good and the team perform so badly week after week. I mean, we see teams that don't have a quarterback find ways to win games, but generally, if you have a good quarterback or an above-good, above-average quarterback, that's uh, usually a ticket to at least a five hundred record. Not with the Texans. Uh, Monday Night Football update for you. The Packers lead Atlanta right now 13 to 3 the Falcons are trying something different this week instead of jumping out to some huge lead and then letting it slip away in the fourth quarter they're just going to trail all game apparently they are under the two-minute warning the only touchdown in that game is an Aaron Jones uh I guess Aaron Rodgers has two touchdowns they must have missed an extra point Aaron Rodgers has a couple touchdown passes in that game one to Robert Tanyan. Tanyan yeah Robert Tanyan on my bench in like nine fantasy leagues because I had him just in case Travis Kelsey didn't play. And then Aaron Jones does have the other reception. But yeah, Mason Crosby apparently uh, yep hooked the extra point. So 13-3 Packers there. And the Chiefs won their game earlier tonight over the Patriots. I will remind you, by the way, 26-10 Chiefs over the Patriots. Patriots offense just couldn't get anything going other than that really nice Nikhil Harry touchdown grab. This is what the Patriots offense was supposed to look like before we all let them get Cam Newton. This is what the Patriots' offense looks like when Jarrett Stidham is their quarterback. Chiefs win. Patriots now 2-2, which in that division, finally, for the first time in forever, that's tough. Buffalo's 4-0, and Buffalo looks absolutely legit. MLB playoffs. The ALDS got underway today. Astros rallied from down uh, quite a bit, actually, against the A's. They come back and win 10-5. That was earlier today. 16 hits for the Astros. Yankees and Rays game one of their series going on right now. Bottom of the sixth inning in that one. Garrett Cole got the start for New York. He's actually still in there. Yankees lead four to three. Aaron Judge has a home run. Clint Frazier, right after Cody (laughs) walked in and was like, hey, that guy should have been a Diamondback. Three seconds later, he hits a home run. A home run that is like orbiting the planet right now, too. The Diamondbacks
2: could have traded last year at the trade deadline. Robbie Ray and whatever the other package would have
1: included for Clint Frazier. And they decided not to. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's great. Uh, Randy Rosarena has a home run for Tampa Bay in that one. The, the rays follow baseball closely. Like they are a team that wins with pitching and then a bunch of platoon hitters basically. But Rosarina, Rosarena who was a rookie this season, I don't even think he played all that much. That guy seems, he absolutely seems like the real deal. Former, uh, He was drafted by St. Louis, if I remember correctly. But, uh, yeah, and he's just tearing it up in the playoffs right now. Has a home run for the Rays in that one. And, finally, the NBA Finals will resume tomorrow. Jimmy Butler, a 40-point triple-double, dragging the Heat back into the series last night. That game sort of got lost in the shuffle on an NFL Sunday. But um, Jimmy Butler, who's been one of the most impressive players in the bubble, he was the guy, if you recall, before the game started, got a call to his room because he was dribbling his basketball in his room to practice. I, is this story, I don't know, I, I should probably look this up for sure during the break, but isn't Jimmy Butler, didn't he start like a coffee business in the bubble too? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called though. I'll double check the name of it, but Jimmy Butler has like taken over the bubble and he took over that game last night. It's weird, all three games in the series have looked so different from the other games. Still think the Lakers win. I still think ultimately they probably win in five. But all the respect in the world for Jimmy Butler. And look, I hope Miami comes back and wins it. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't see LeBron getting this close with this team. Uh, with this I and mean, by this team, I really just mean Anthony Davis and some other guys that are wearing Lakers jerseys. But according
2: uh, to this article, it's called Big Face Coffee, and he charges twenty dollars for a cup of coffee. <laughs>
1: Jimmy Butler is. He's, uh, he's something. And he goes in there and he's starting a business while he's carrying the Miami Heat to the NBA Finals. All right, when we come back, an Arizona Cardinals Concerns edition of Top 5, that's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. It's time for a... uh, Of course, this music means it is time for another edition of Top 5, although (laughs) as I talk about this, this is really bottom five, isn't it? Pretty much. It's it's a very negative... edition of Top 5. I
2: think we've been pretty negative on our Top 5 since we started doing this show together. Yeah, well, because we started... Is that
1: a reflection on me as a person? It's it's a reflection on the timing. Didn't Your first show was last Monday, right after the Cardinals lost to Detroit. That is true. (laughs) That is true. We're only... Look, we're just using what we are being given to work with right now. This is your Top 5 concerns with the Arizona Cardinals on October 5th, 2020. And uh, Cody... Because I'm a nice guy like this. I will let you oh, go first. what a gentleman. Yeah, I like to think so.
2: Okay, my number five is how little Isaiah Simmons has been playing so far. Mm. Just... <laughs> The the whole uh, glamour with this guy was that he can play linebacker, he can play safety, he can rush the passer, he can do all these things for you. And then they're trying to make him a linebacker, but then when they need safeties because Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker are all and Chris Banjo are all out this week, you know, you would have thought that he would have gotten a look at safety. There was some hinting at that, but looking, I'm just looking at Pro Football Reference to his game log for last week. Yeah, he played ten snaps. Ten, that's only thirteen percent of yeah. the snaps on defense. Why? My concern is, I, I get he's a rookie and he didn't have an off season. He didn't have a preseason. None of the rookies did this year. And look what Derek Brown did yesterday. Not, not that they could have, ha- could have had Derek Brown. He was picked one pick ahead, but still, he was a beast yesterday. And
1: I told I, you yesterday, Derek Brown made that tackle in the backfield. I thought it was two guys wearing yeah, one the jersey. Dude's a beast.
2: But the fact that he's coming along so slowly and from what we've heard, they haven't really been throwing too much at him. I don't; It doesn't sound like they're not asking him to play safety and linebacker and rush the passer all at once. So my concern is that he's going to end up another Cardinals first round pick that just you had really high hopes for. I'm not going to say he's going to be a bust like Robert kendichi was oh. or Hassan Reddick has been so far, but... No, it's too early for that. But I, I'm I'm concerned about how slowly it's come along so far
1: for him. Well, I think it's it's fair. To, it, look, it definitely is too early to to be you know to be hitting the panic button in terms of Isaiah Simmons. This should have been essentially his fourth preseason game. But I think it's fair to be concerned. Not, not even so much that he's not making plays right now, but like, are you developing him the right way? And I know that this is a tough environment to develop him in because training camp was different and the offseason was different and. I absolutely believe in Isaiah Simmons. I was ecstatic when they were able to get him. But they do need to develop him the right way, and if they're right, if they if if, you know, if the decision to not throw him into these games too much right now is the right way to develop him, that's fine, but he's he's a tremendous talent. He should be making plays by the end of the season for sure.
2: And you usually expect your first round pick to make
1: an impact right away in some way. Yeah, I mean top 10 pick. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's that's too much to ask. His, Maybe not the first couple of weeks, but he we should see him out there. Sometimes. His his snap
2: numbers week to week so far through 4 weeks. Against the 49ers, 18. Against Washington, 7 snaps. Against Detroit, 10. Against Carolina, 10.
1: Yeah. Why isn't he playing more? I mean, Carolina had 72 offensive plays yesterday, right? So for him to only be out there for 10, that's not yeah, much. Yeah, they, they had the ball for almost an entire
2: quarter, I feel like. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, all right, number five on my list is Kenyon Drake and the running game outside of Kyler Murray, but specifically Kenyon Drake, actually, because Chase Edmonds doesn't look that bad. Drake has 254 rushing yards through the first four games. I mean, that puts him on pace for a 1,000-yard season. But it's just not very impactful so far. And I say this not so much as a, hey, It's this is... Robert Tunyon just scored again on my bench. He sure did. Uh, on, on four of my benches. You fool! Um, if you're in any of my leagues, Robert Tunyon is available and uh, make me trade offers that are lopsided in my favor. With Kenyon Drake, it's just... He just hasn't really impacted these games at all. He had 35 yards yesterday. And... It's almost not even a knock on him. It just ties into my concern about the uh the offense and and, and the play calling right now, because this guy was, was one of your best offensive weapons in the second half of last season, and now he's just kind of filling out a roster spot, it feels like. A starting roster spot, but still he's not he's not doing anything. All right, my number four is kind of a two parter. Okay.
2: I'm concerned with the level of production from Patrick Peterson and Chandler Jones. Starting with Patrick Peterson, I I know he had an interception yesterday. It was the Cardinals' first interception all year. And that's all fine and well, but to me, that interception was more of a coverage interception and a bad throw by Teddy Bridgewater, and Patrick Peterson happened to be in the area. He wasn't man to man with somebody he just happened to be in the area and Teddy Bridgewater made a horrible throw. Kudos to Patrick Peterson for picking the ball off cuz it took some good footwork on the sideline to stay in bounds and all that. I'm not saying not discrediting the interception, but I watched that man try to tackle people yesterday <laughs> and I don't know if it's because for the majority of of his career he hasn't had the ball thrown his way and he hasn't had to tackle a lot of people, but there were some plays where he just tried to shoulder tackle someone or push them out of bounds. I'm like, wrap him up, man. Yeah. Um, he looked lost yesterday. There was a couple plays as well, where he just didn't, didn't look like he knew where to go or where to be, or he chose the wrong area. He might've had a choice and made the wrong choice of where to cover. S- second part, Chandler Jones has one sack through the first four games. And, you know that could be because and cliff kingsbury touched on it today other teams are game planning him a little bit different maybe throwing him double teams and chipping it with running back and all that but man one sack for for chandler jones who is eyeing a record this year that was what what was talked about coming in he's gonna break michael strahan's record yeah one sack through four just the pass rush in general. Teddy Bridgewater, I keep going back to yesterday because it's the most recent thing in my mind. Teddy Bridgewater had all day to throw yesterday. I think I heard on one of the shows this morning there was only three quarterback pressures yesterday. Yeah, yesterday How is that bad. possible? They,
1: I mean, and look, the the Cardinals had 11 sacks through the first three games, so I'm not as worried about the pass rush as some of these these other areas. But yesterday, it just it just was not there. Um, number four on my list is the schedule, which was a, a benefit for the Cardinals, or at least it looked like it was going to be for a while not after this week you got the Jets coming up and that's nice but I went through it earlier and especially that Seahawks game that you're going to play on a short week and they're going to come into it off of a bye week The schedule's about to get really nasty potentially for the Cardinals doesn't mean they can't win these games but it's their easier shots at wins were the last couple weeks in this upcoming week uh, against New York alright my number three
2: top five biggest concerns for the Arizona Cardinals the offensive line just watching them yesterday this is is going to be concerning if we have 10 different things between the two of us (laughs) just watching them yesterday the panthers were just consistently bringing four guys to pressure kyler murray and they were hitting him and they were hitting him really hard kyler murray there was he he got jacked up one play and then they were coming back from commercial and he had this big old band-aid on his chin that just summed up the whole game yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Kyler Murray bleeding from his chin. And there was another play where they brought four and and the 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 left edge guy I don't even I don't even know who it was. Blew past DJ Humphreys and it wasn't even close. And I think he that was the play where Kyler lost the ball and they ruled it a fumble and the Panthers recovered it. That's just, man, the offensive line. And then Justin Pugh is hurt now. Kelvin Beecham didn't look good yesterday. DJ Humphreys had a bad game. Derek Brown abused Mason Cole You were yesterday. just getting angry watching oh. the offensive line yesterday
1: when we were in here. My goodness. Uh, my number three is the secondary. And I know they were playing without Buda Baker and Chris Banjo yesterday, but that's part of it. I mean, they were extremely thin in the secondary. Curtis Riley at times just looked lost out there. You already mentioned Patrick Peterson. Doesn't look like Patrick Peterson. A lot of the time, just the secondary. The last couple weeks it's been like, hey, if you need to pass on us, go ahead. And you know, now you can kind of take a step back and say, well, the first two weeks, maybe uh maybe Dwayne Haskins isn't all that good. And and he isn't. We already knew that. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo isn't necessarily some amazing quarterback. Maybe the two better quarterbacks they've played are Matthew Stafford and Teddy Bridgewater, and those guys just you know carved him up whenever they needed to. So the secondary is is my number three concern with this team right now. All right, my number
2: two. Biggest concern is the lack of Larry Fitzgerald in the offense right now. He's had in the past two weeks three catches for four yards. Yeah, that's not. Good. And it's it's concerning in two ways. One that that the game plan isn't really revolving around him anymore, or that they feel like they can't because now you know Larry Fitzgerald is more of a slot receiver and he goes over the middle. And every play yesterday was pretty much to the outside hashes wide receiver screens all that nonsense and Larry Fitzgerald finds himself with what I just say three catches for four yards in (laughs) two weeks you just ask me what you just said (laughs) and it's it's just bad and the number two concern that could go along with this too is that he just isn't the player he was even last year. Yeah. He he's having problems getting open. Except for that second I don't, I don't play of the game yesterday, that, Yeah, where Kyler I mean, he missed was wide him. open. Yeah, but that's the thing. It- I, I don't want it to be that because that means he's closer to retirement and I don't want him to ever retire. I think
1: the issue I think it just it, it's it's like the tip of the iceberg, right? Like Fitz isn't getting yards. Okay, well then that's more of a combination of Kyler missing him on that play and maybe maybe not seeing him open on some other plays and the place is not being designed to accentuate your your biggest weapons. And I understand he's not their biggest weapon on offense anymore, but he's a piece. I I still have more confidence in Larry Fitzgerald right now than Christian Kirk or Andy Isabella or some of these other weapons in the passing game. And look, you can you can tell me I'm wrong. You can say Christian Kirk's a better receiver right now, except we're not getting any results. They've lost the last two games. So when you couple that with the fact that he has three yards in the last two games, four yards. I'm sorry, I don't want to shortchange my yard. That's um that's concerning. Okay, real quick here, number two after yesterday. It wasn't as big of an issue the first three weeks, but tackling. And they lost that game yesterday because they couldn't tackle. And that's not Christian McCaffrey, that's Mike Davis. Mike Davis is fine, he's been in the NFL for a while. If you can't tackle Mike Davis and Reggie Bonifon, how are you going to tackle Ezekiel Elliott? And how are you going to tackle some of these other guys you're going to see in the second half of the season? So that's my number two right now. What do you got for number one? My number
2: one is the fact that it seems like the offense under Cliff Kingsbury and Kyla Murray hasn't really been progressing so far this season. And we, you know, like you said earlier in the show, this offense is supposed to be one that other teams are scared of that they're going to score 50 points a game on them. But right now, it just doesn't look that way, especially when you can't throw the ball down the field. whatever For whatever reason, they're not throwing the ball down the field. And it's a lot of horizontal stuff.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that we we did these top five lists independent of each other, and items five through two were essentially completely different, except you had Patrick Peterson and I had the secondary. We both have the same number one. The offense... You know, I want the Cardinals to make the playoffs this year, and I thought coming into the season with that seventh spot open and now and then you add DeAndre Hopkins that it was very much in play, and it still is. We're two and two through four games. But, you know, if you had told me, okay, they're going to miss the playoffs, they're going to go seven and nine or whatever, but they're getting better. Like, you see it as the season goes on. Maybe they started slow and they got better and better, and, you know, that's this is still a team that's coming together. But like I said last segment, you can make a very strong case they've gotten worse each of these four games, or they've looked worse at least each of these four games. That's that's concerning, and and really my number one thing is just their inability to either try or hit chunk plays down the field. This offense should scare the opposition. This offense looks scared right now, and it doesn't really seem to matter who they're playing. They just look tentative, and that's not what this this offense and this entire team is built on. This team is built on an explosive, dangerous offensive mind and quarterback and weapons. I mean, they've got weapons. They've got DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. Andy Isabella should be DK Metcalf, but Andy Isabella is still a receiver. I mean, they they should be able to move the ball, and they should be able to put up points. That stat, which I did not have any comprehension of before yesterday, that they have broken the 30-point barrier just three times under Cliff Kingsbury, and one of them was earlier this season when they scored exactly 30. That is inconceivable to me it's yeah that's concerning all right we come back we're going to hear from cliff kingsbury perhaps he will have some answers it's the rundown with luke lapinski on 98.7 fm arizona sports station
0: this is the rundown hosted by luke Lipinski, 98.7 fm arizona's sports station <laughs>
1: Final segment of the show, in time for a round of fill in the blank. The game is simple yet complicated. Bear and I each have four sentences. We're going to throw at each other for sports. I, I believe sports related. I guess I don't really know what Bear's sentences are. They could be about literally anything. Probably not politics. And uh, there's going to be a blank you in know. each sentence, and you've got to the other one of us has to fill that blank as quickly as possible. We can talk about it afterwards, but the initial. Word that pops into your head is the one you're supposed to say. It's it's almost like word association in sentence form. Context, as always, is key. Cody, I'm going to go first. Okay. All right? Go for it. Between Brandon Ayuk and Nikhil Harry, blank will have the better NFL career. Hmm. I'm going to say Nikhil Harry. Okay.
2: I don't really know why, but... (laughs) At least you have a reason. (laughs) The fact that he's playing in New England... I mean, I like. I was about to say, as soon as they get a quarterback, but they have Cam Newton this year. But who knows how long he's going to be there for? But I think Nikhil Harry, he's just you know, he fits that prototypical receiver type, and I think he's just still getting his feet wet in the NFL. He's he is a tough. I mean, Brandon Ayuk look, looks good though. Iyuk, so far he's really athletic and can do a
1: lot of different things. He has burst onto the scene quickly, and he does seem like the sort of guy. Like Nikhil is that tough. Just he's going to fight through it, receiver. We saw it when he get, took that nasty hit a couple weeks ago. And he's just going to keep working to get better and better. But Ayuk is the sort of guy that can make plays out of nothing.
2: All right, I'll start in the NBA. Okay. The Miami Heat—they won a game yesterday in the finals. The Miami Heat will win blank
1: more games in the NBA finals. Zero. Me too. Um, that's what I think too. Yeah. I, I Like I said earlier, I, I want them to push it all the way to Game 7 if they can. The Lakers winning this year of all years bothers me less than other Lakers wins, but the Lakers winning is still going to bother me, and I would much rather Miami won, but uh, just don't see it happening. Um, Feel
2: bad for Goran Dragic.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. They're so beat up too. I think even yeah. at full strength, the Lakers would have won the series, but it's just Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, and that's, you know, a rotating cast around them. I'll, I'll stick in the NBA since you, you took us here. I believe I can't find proof of this now, but somebody told me that Jimmy Butler was ten to one to lead Game Three in scoring, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. He he did. He, did. he had forty points, triple double. Blank will be the leading scorer in Game Four of the NBA Finals tomorrow. Anthony Davis. Ooh. Okay. They can't stop him. They really can't unless he gets in foul trouble early
2: right like he did they have don't really have any i mean bigs like that that can defend him without bam out of bio right now yeah yeah that's a good answer all right we just talked about it a little bit earlier larry fitzgerald has had three catches for four yards in the past two weeks larry fitzgerald will have blank catches next week against the jets Point
1: didn't we? I think we did a version of this I, that's, for over. That's what I was saying before. Yeah. Was
2: I'm pretty sure I've asked this question,
1: and and we both took over whatever the number. Was. I think it was like four and a half last week. We both took over, or even maybe. Yeah, was, that was dumb. I, I mean, there's all this talk about getting him involved, and I understand you want to be you want to be deceptive, and you want to say, yeah, we're going to get him involved, but then you don't want to force it. And I understand that, but I, as I sit here and overthink this myself, I I fear that the Cardinals may be overthinking some of this uh, as well. Four catches for Fitz this week. Now yards, I don't know. What was that three yards? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't know. But I think I think I'll say Fitz has four catches for forty-eight yards and a
2: touchdown this week. Oh, okay. I'm gonna say he has five catches for sixty yards. Oh,
1: okay. No touchdowns. No touchdowns. All right. I, I yeah we we may feel a lot better about this team 7 days from now simply because they played the jets it might not even be justified but i think we'll play we'll, we'll feel better about them um it's sad
2: it's sad how We've The biggest story right now is how little Fitz, Larry Fitzgerald is involved in a Cardinals offense. Yeah. It used to be he was the only receiver that could do anything.
1: Yeah, there's got to be a happy medium, right? Like, I don't want him to be the only guy that can do anything and, and you're too over-dependent on one guy. I believe Todd Gurley just got in the end zone for Atlanta. What year is it? It's, uh, <laughs> Todd Gurley scored a touchdown? So that is 20 to 20-9 right now, Green Bay up, pending the extra point. All right, here's my, uh, my third one for you. We've had this question, like, two years ago and now i wonder if we maybe have come full circle the next valley team to make the playoffs will be the blank oh my gosh So obviously the cardinals have the advantage in that they are the next team that could make the playoffs right oh my gosh and and let's for the sake of just keeping this as as simple as possible Your options are Cardinals, Suns, Coyotes, D-backs, and and you know what? I'll throw in ASU football too, but I'm not going to do ASU basketball making the tournament or any of that, any of these other teams that we have.
2: I'm going to say the Cardinals. I really want to say the Suns, but I'll say the Cardinals just because they could legit turn this around and rattle off some wins. They have a better chance of doing that, and why not the suns Well, because the western conference seems to be pretty pretty dang good and unless they move to the east it's going to be a hard road to the playoffs (laughs) so i'll i'll stick with the cardinals unfortunately i think the d-backs aren't going to be any good next year seems like they might go into a mini mini rebuild i don't
1: know and the coyotes are in shambles they are but they are the last team to made the playoffs and that was only a couple months ago that's That's the thing two years ago my answer was overwhelmingly the coyotes and then it looked like it wouldn't be and they ended up i guess
2: their their team as in on the ice isn't in shambles but what's going on in their front office
1: it's 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 uh, kind of crazy it's a busy time let's the draft (laughs) is tomorrow maybe some stuff will change but uh i think at the moment i would still agree cardinals because the playoffs are in like three months and it's expanded yeah that's the only reason why. is because it's expanded. <laughs> I'm assuming they never play the way they played yesterday again.
2: All right. Uh, Cardinals won. The Cardinals play the Jets and the Cowboys and the Seahawks in their next three games. The Cardinals will go blank and blank in their next three games, predicting their record. One, one, and one. No. <laughs> oh, my God. You um, just horrible person. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, that wouldn't be the end of the world though, honestly. Yeah, but I hate you know I what? I hate ties. Yeah, I, I hate just and, and all season long doing the pregame show you're like, "Oh, the Cardinals are 3-2 and 1." Like, yeah, no. Uh, well, they didn't lose. <sighs> 1 and 2.
2: Honestly, that's what I'm going to say too. You better beat the Jets. You have to. You- that's-
0: have to beat the Jets.
2: Then, if not, then you have, like... (laughs) I... I, Honestly...
1: Fans are going to need a therapy session.
2: They have a chance to beat the Cowboys, because like you said earlier in the show, their defense isn't very good, but... Honestly, from what I've seen from the Cardinals defense, I can see the Cowboys running right over them on offense. That's
1: that's the thing. I think to beat the Cowboys, you're going to need to put up 35. And and that's the swing game. Seattle, it's not like I don't think they can beat the Seahawks. But the way Russell Wilson's playing right now, the way the Cardinals are playing right now. And again, I can't stress this enough. The Seahawks are going to have 14 days to prepare for that. The the Cardinals are going to have six. Right. So I'm going to say one and two. Uh, Real quick here, my last one for you, with Bill O'Brien out in Houston, blank will be the next NFL coach fired. Adam Gase. It's got to be, right? Yeah, which is funny because my
2: last question was, of all the coaches that have already been or are most likely to get fired, blank has the best chance of getting another head head coaching job. What would you say to that? Um, Give me some of the names you're thinking of. So Bill O'Brien has already been fired. Adam Gase is on the hot seat. Dan Quinn's on the hot seat. Matt Patricia in
1: Detroit. Uh, Vic Fangio in Denver. I mean, Fangio, it's it's tough because they are so injured that I don't know that you can blame him that much. Um, I mean, I don't know that any of these guys are going to step right back and do a head coaching gig. But if you're saying they, they come back as like a coordinator and then eventually get another shot. I could see Bill O'Brien actually. That's what maybe I would have said shot. too. But not another shot as GM. No, I don't think you so. trade away DeAndre Hopkins
2: and a fourth round pick for David Johnson, Ugh. and then trade. I think they traded this year's and next year's, well, twenty twenty one and 2022 1st round picks for
1: Laramie for Tunsil. Tunsil. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Which again, if you're making that trade, you're saying we're going all in on right now but be consistent in what you're doing. If you're going all in and right now, then you're not trading DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad you did, but uh, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Yeah, thanks thanks, Bye. For the, thanks, for the parting gift. You are one of the Cardinals MVPs this season. All right, that's going to do it for Phil in the Blank. That is going to do it for the show here tonight. By the way, Atlanta did not make their extra pointer. They went for two and missed it, whatever. It's 29. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.